Welcome to the South Carolina State Library's podcast, Library Voices SC. I'm Curtis Rogers, Communications Director, and today I'm pleased to have with us in our podcast studio, Tom Poland. And Tom has been here before, so this is his second visit in our podcast studio. Tom is the author of 14 books and more than 2,000 magazine features and columns. He writes about the South, its people, and culture, and he travels back roads looking for forgotten places to bring back to life. So welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for coming. So um, you're here today. You're doing a Meet the Author, and you're going to be doing a book talk. And uh, your latest book that is out is South Carolina Country Roads of Train Depots, Filling Stations, and I need to say filling stations because you really can't say filling stations, <laughs> and Other Vanishing Charms. And this was published by History Press. So tell us, tell us about this book. How did it come about? Well, the title's a little long, and it wasn't my choice. That was the publisher's. A will to name it that. Uh-huh. I wanted to call the book A Place Called Obscurity. Oh, okay. Because a lot of the places that I discover are, in fact, rather obscure. Yeah. Uh, I'll take a back road and then turn off of it onto a lesser road, mm-hmm. and you really start seeing what I call the hidden South Carolina mm-hmm. in these mm-hmm. places. I'll never forget the first time I was going to try to go to Fort Mott you know, thinking it was a real place, and got there and kept driving. I was like, well, there's no Fort Mott. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So um, so how did the idea for, um, for this book come about? Well, over the years that I've done all the big books with Robert Clark, mm-hmm. the Reflections of South Carolina series, mm-hmm. and uh, Timeless Journey, the Natural Heritage, all those books, uh, anytime we would go to uh, work on those books, we surely didn't take an interstate. Mm-hmm. We generally got onto the back roads, and we started seeing all this beautiful countryside, mm-hmm. uh, living history. Uh, I always like to say that when you travel the back roads, it's like driving through a giant museum. Mm-hmm. You see how people used to live in the past, you know, the old barns, the tenant homes, uh, tobacco barns, and the ruins of places. Mm-hmm. And I found it fascinating. And then um, 10 years ago, a paper asked me to start writing a weekly column for my hometown paper. Hmm for free. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'll do it for a year. That was 10 years and 577 <laughs> columns ago. And, and did they ever pay you? <laughs> no, no, but I, others do. But here's the thing about it. I started looking for subject matter and um, it revealed itself to me, the back roads, because that's what I travel a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then about um, six years ago, I re- renewed my interest in, in photography and got a really decent Canon camera mm-hmm. and I started taking photographs of these places and the next natural thing to do was to pair the photographs with my, my words mm-hmm. and now that one little weekly column I did in Georgia has spread to about 40 something newspapers wow yeah and people are fascinated and have a great love for the back roads mm. well um, we chatted a little bit about photography and my interest in photography and I'm glad you said Canon and not Nikon because I'm a Canon person too yeah, so, Canon. so what kind of camera do you shoot with the Rebel T5 okay yeah. my ambition is to get a little bit nicer camera but uh, I'm it, looking at the T7i to maybe get yeah it'd be great, it'd be <laughs> so great. We'll see. I actually have a nice lens that's more expensive than the camera <laughs> that's the way it goes usually. <laughs> exactly um, so, so tell us about your process. Like when you're thinking, when you thought about this South Carolina country roads, what's your process like? Do you actually, you know, plan a day trip or plan, you know, like to be gone a whole week and you're investigating different areas? Or I, I do a little, little bit of all of this because right now I'm about to wrap up a book called The Last Sunday Drive. Oh, okay. Vanishing Southland. 
and I'm planning a week along the North Carolina South Carolina border next week mm. to to capture, um, you know, interesting places off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. Some days when I'm caught up on all that I have to do, I'll put an old fashioned paper map out, turn my back, really, and put my finger onto the map and wherever <laughs> it lands, that's where I'm going to go on my next trip. You're kidding. And uh, for, that's how I discovered there's a place in South Carolina called Promised Land. Huh. It's over near between Greenwood and McCormick, uh-huh. which is near where I grew up. I grew up on the Georgia border over there. Okay. So the process is random, and the process is sometimes planned. But what I tell people in my talks to do is plan you a back road route to an interesting area you've never been to, mm-hmm. but don't be shy about taking a road that you have no idea where it goes mm-hmm. because you'll come out somewhere where you know you are, mm-hmm. and you'll see some fascinating things along the way. Well, would you describe this book as kind of a guidebook? Is it a place of locations that you want people to visit, or is it more of like you're trying to archive their memory? More like archive their memory. The classic Carolina Road Trips book that I did before this Mm -hmm. is like a guide to 63 places you can go that are not tourist traps. This is a meandering, wandering uh, exploration through the back roads. Okay. Uh, I tell people, don't, don't be in a hurry. What, what's the hurry? Mm-hmm. Uh, take your time and enjoy you know, the drive. You're, I always tell them your blood pressure will go down mm-hmm. and your gas mileage goes up. <laughs> that's true. That's right, because you're not speeding down some interstate trying to get away from 18-wheelers. That's, that's very true. Um, I was recently coming back from Hilton Head, and um, I-95 was just backed up for forever. And so I got off, and I want to say it was Highway 21 that took me up up through to Orangeburg. That's right. And I'll tell you, it was the nicest drive. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I was completely calm, and, Mm -hmm. you know, the scenery was beautiful. Um, Just like uh, one time I remember going, um, I think I was coming back somewhere from the low country, and I decided to come up 321. I mean, just some of the most beautiful places, and you could stop and go in antique malls and, you know, all kinds of stuff. You actually live again when you get off the interstates. Yeah, you really do. You really do. Mm-hmm. So um, for for putting this book together, what was maybe one of the most eye-opening locations you found, and what made it eye-opening? Well, I can think of two. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, you had an interesting character I met. I'm going to get a little literary on you here now. Go right It wasn't ahead. a person. Uh-huh. It was a town called Edgefield. Okay. Edgefield, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Home of 10 governors. Home of the Camellia Tea. Home of the old billiard uh, hall, the uh, pool center where they have, pool hall where they have the world's best hamburger. And it's pretty good. <laughs> of course, you've got the statue of Strom Thurmond there on the square uh-huh. and uh, all the stories behind it. You've got Carolina Moon Distillery there. You've got Miss Henrietta Humphreys who is the Camellia Tea um, power broker, you might call her. Mm-hmm. She's a big force in that. I uh, met her one day to take her on a ride, and uh, she had me sit in a chair that Willie Morris had sat in, Okay, the Mississippi writer, no longer with us. Mm-hmm. And Edgefield's got this great history. It's got that timmerman and feud in which um, a mule kicked and ended up killing eight people. It's a story I put in a Georgia line of Southland, as, as we knew it. And people can't get enough of that story. So Edgefield has got the pottery, uh, Dave mm-hmm. Drake, mm-hmm. The, the, the slave that could write. Yep, Dave the read, Potter. Dave the Potter. And um, it's a fascinating place. You've got mm-hmm. the peach orchards. It's just a lot about Edgefield. I think I it's like. also like the headquarters for the National Turkey Hunting. Wild Turkey Wild Federation. Wild Turkey Federation, yeah. It's also a source of tourism 
believe it or not, for people looking their genealogy up to see who their ancestors mm. were. Because they have the Tompkins Memorial Library there with a lot of uh, genealogical records. They have the archives, the courthouse, none of which is ever burned. Hmm, okay. And that was a great dispersion point for people coming down the wagon. I can't remember what they call it, the wagon train mm-hmm. road, mm-hmm. and went west. It was my surprise not too many years ago to discover that my grandfather's people came out of Edgefield. Wow. So I'm walking in the foots of my ancestors when yeah. I go over there. Yeah, very cool. The other place that was interesting to me was the Tom Yawkey Center over in Georgetown County, mm-hmm. South Island and North Island. 26,000 mm-hmm. acres of wildlife sanctuary. And, wow. Uh, Great history. Yawkey owned the Boston Red Sox. Oh. And um, one of the things I like to tell, and I'll tell these people today, is that um, he was a millionaire mm-hmm. that lived in a mobile home there for 27 years. <laughs> really? When he would come down to overwinter. The mansion he had burned. Uh-huh. <clears throat> he and his wife put up a, a mobile home to live in temporarily. Well, at least it was, was it a double wide at least? No, they called it a mobile chateau. Okay. <laughs> you know, it wasn't a trailer like we might think about it. I've, uh-huh. it it's, it's, it's stark. It's not much uh-huh. to it, really. But can you imagine, like, um, one of the day's Silicon Valley millionaires living in a mobile home? Mm-mm. I don't think so, but uh-huh. he did. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, what about some other individuals? Uh, anyone else that stands out in your mind who was particularly interesting? Well, there is a gentleman I wish I could have met. He's no longer with us. His name is Harold Peoples, mm-hmm. Yemisee. He created a place called Harold, Harold's Country Club, which hmm. is a really uh, great restaurant that in the 1930s, <clears throat> it was a Chevrolet dealership. Mm-hmm. He bought it and made it into a garage. And then um, I suppose, you know, people being social cr- creatures, there was not a lot going on in Yemisee back in the day. Mm-hmm. And they started showing up on Thursday nights with covered dishes for potluck suppers. They'd move the cars out of the bays, put up tables, <clears throat> and it went so well. They said, well, let's do something on Friday night. So they started doing shrimp baskets and hamburger baskets. Hmm. And then Harold said, well, I'll cook steaks on Saturday night, but, you, <laughs> but I'm going to charge you a little bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so uh, a cult following kind of restaurant evolved out. It's Hollywood's discovered it. Uh-huh. Dennis Hopper rented the place for four days. You're kidding. No, to shoot a scene for a biker movie. Oh, wow. And um, I went in there on a Friday afternoon on my way to Tybee Island. Uh-huh. There's one truck in the parking lot. I said, well, heck, nobody's here. I walked in, and the bar was full. Really? I said, I've walked into Andy of Mayberry's place. <laughs> there was Floyd the barber. There was Otis the drunk. <laughs> they all walked there. <laughs> they were all sitting there watching a NASCAR movie that I think was a replay because it was a, a Friday afternoon. Uh-huh. And no one, I don't know their races on Friday afternoon. <laughs> That's great. It's a great place, wonderful place. And Harold was a great supporter of the children in the area of baseball, softball, and things like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when they lost access to a field they were able to play on, mm. he built them one himself. Wow. He was an umpire for a lot of the games. He was very supportive of them. And after every game, the public address announcer would say, well, there's another game in the books. Mm-hmm. Let's all go over to Harold's Country Club for a cool one. Hmm. And that's how it got that name. And when you walk into the place – You'll see rules all over the wall. Really? Don't sit on the pool table. Uh-huh. Clean up your table. You will pay for every steak you order. <laughs> and if you broke one of Harold's rules, uh, he, would, he would evict you from the country club for forever and a day. Really? Yes. You would never come back. Well, if you came back with your hat in your hand, uh-huh. he would readmit you to the country club. <laughs> it burned, and uh, uh-huh. a lot of what made it so unique, the radiator hoses, the fan belts, mm-hmm. Oil cans, car parts that were all over the walls mm-hmm. were lost. Mm-hmm. 
And when they rebuilt that portion at Burn, here comes the community with old car parts really? to restore that ambiance that it had as That's a car great. dealership and a garage. Were you able to get any images of the before and after? I didn't have any before uh-huh. at all, but I've got plenty of photographs of it. It uh-huh. is a neat place. That's very cool. The one thing that did stand out to me there I thought was out of place was a digital jukebox. Really? Yes. Huh. Digital. It's probably too hard to find one of the coin-operated. One of the old um, <laughs> Wurlitzers or whatever. Right, yeah. right. Uh-huh. But it's an interesting place. Very interesting it place. Sounds it sounds um, One of the things as we're talking that's popping into my brain is since you've been all over the state, what do you see as differences in the regions of the state? Because we've got the low country, we've got the upstate, we've got the PD, the, what's the old 96? Old 96. District. And what, what, yeah. are, what are the kind of differences you see in all of these areas when you visit some of these rural locations? Well, I think a lot of it's tied to the agrarian lifestyle that was, uh, you know, prominent there. Mm-hmm. Like in the PD, you see all these little tobacco barns. Mm-hmm. I got a tour of some tobacco barns over there that have been turned into, uh, one has been turned into what you call a party shack. Hmm. It's got a pool mm-hmm. table. Yeah, It's got a bar. It's got a big flat screen TV so they can watch football games there. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the um, western part of the state, you see a lot of old cattle barns and things like that. Hmm. In other areas of the state, you'll see a lot of uh, cotton fields and the barns there and all. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the terrain is flat like in Darlington County. You mm-hmm. can see forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But over in the old 96 district, as you go up around um, Calhoun Falls and Abbeville, mm-hmm. the land is very hilly. Mm-hmm. And so you get more of a surprise factor there. You'll come around a curve or top of a hill. For example, I can take you to the only Sea Rock City barn that's ever stood in South Carolina. It's still standing. Wow. How long it'll stand, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's on Highway 28 between McCormick and Abbeville, about four miles before you get to Abbeville on the left, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. You don't see anything like that on the coast. Mm-hmm. So it just varies. Um, some of the themes are the same, though. Abandonment, mm-hmm. neglect, ruin. Um, you see a lot of ruins. Mm-hmm. what was left of old homes and what was left of old barns, mm-hmm. chimneys standing alone, you know, uh, old home places that are gone. Yeah, It's places like that that I always stop and poke around. And I, I have to trespass sometimes to do what I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I usually get away with it. You ever have anyone running at you with a shotgun? Not yet, but I had <laughs> I had two fellows at one place, I think. I think it was in the back of their mind they were going to mug me. Oh, really? I, I was able to get out of that. Good. Yes. Yeah. That, that can be tricky. Um, a lot of what you're describing reminds me of that movie Fried Green Tomatoes. You know, you're kind of in the out in the country, and and you're in an area that you know was thriving at one time, and now n- no one's there. And if anyone is there, then they're the last one or two people left. You hit the nail on the head. I can tell you a place that's got these old steel truss bridges like you'd see in, mm-hmm. in uh, fried green tomatoes, mm-hmm. Mount Carmel, South Carolina. Okay. Where is that? What county is that in? It's in McCormick County. Okay. And it is a ghost town. Really? It was a thriving 1880s railroad town. Wow. And then the automobiles and vehicles came along. Mm-hmm. The Depression came along. Mm-hmm. There was a fire. Someone knocked over a kerosene, kerosene lantern, and about 12 buildings there burned. And wow. the, uh, the upshot of all this was that people left the town. Mm-hmm. My great-grandfather lived there. Mm. 
I take a lot of people on tours. A lot of people ask me just to take them with me. Mm-hmm. We want to go with you on the back yeah, roads. Sure. I took a photo club from North Augusta, the, the chicks that click uh-huh. to, to Mount Carmel, <laughs> and they loved it because all the churches are shuttered. Mm-hmm. They've been a, neglected for years. They're not yeah. active. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see all these Victorian homes and beautiful old uh, southern homes that, that look really in good shape when you consider no one's lived in them for decades. Wow. There's one furniture store there, McAllister's, I understand, I understand does well. But when you go to when you go to Mount Carmel, you're really stepping into the past, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's a place that I go to every chance I get, just to drive through if nothing else. That's that sounds fascinating, and you'll have to let me know next time you're doing a, a photo tour because I might be interested in going. I'll, I'll take you along. I'll take you along. <laughs> um, are all of these communities you've been to? Have you seen any of them that have gone through a a little renaissance or a renewal? Well, I think I've seen that. Yeah, you, you go to a lot of little small towns, and you can see where they're trying to gussy themselves up a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I think it's kind of uh, counterproductive. Mm. My hometown in Georgia is a small town, mm-hmm. and uh, over its history, for whatever reason, it's let go of a lot of its, its historic buildings. Some have burned. Mm. Some have been torn down. And um, there's this desire to look modern, oh, yeah, like you're with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. I was touring um, Fountain Inn last week. I spent mm. two days with good people at Fountain Inn. We mm-hmm. went to an old grist mill. Okay. Really neat grist mill. And the, the gentleman I was walking around with, they said, you know, isn't it something that we'll pay good money to go to Europe to see all these old buildings? Uh-huh. And then we come back to our own towns and tear everything down. Huh. That's an interesting Very concept. ironic. Yeah, mm-hmm. it really is. But, yeah, I know the uh, Municipal Association of South Carolina, they work with smaller communities i think to you know like downtown redevelopment and right and things like that um so yeah some do go through renewals and some just stay the same i actually rode through l- the the little tiny downtown main street of whitmire whitmire yeah yeah and um didn't have a lot going on everything was pretty much closed but it was just neat to ride down that you know little main street well like i said a living museum mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. traveling through the I, I oftentimes when i sign this book you know i put the person's name and mm-hmm. uh, and i'll say discover the hidden south carolina uh-huh. it's out there because see, here's the thing if you get on an interstate yeah you're going to be driving fast on a noisy road mm-hmm. seeing nothing 18 wheelers construction traffic jams Franchise restaurants, franchise gas stations. Yep. If you get on the back road like old US one north going towards uh Chiral, which is how I go to Raleigh now, mm-hmm. you'll see peach orchards. You'll see a little store near um Cassett mm-hmm. where the man and wife that owned this place for thirty years push a mannequin out on a uh hand truck every day. His name is um gosh, I can't remember his name all of a sudden, but he's an old mountain hoochie looking guy with a beard and and I think it's Albert they call him. <laughs> And they, they bring him in every night. And I said, I said, well, why don't you just let – he said it wouldn't be here tomorrow if we left it out. Oh, that's It's been hit true. by trucks, and they keep repairing Albert, I believe is his name. <laughs> and uh, inside, they have an unusual double occupation. Uh-huh. Up front is a produce store, uh-huh. onions, tomatoes, so forth. The back half, she sews and makes dolls. Really? She makes custom dolls. Huh. And so I stopped. They're not in this book, but that's an example of what you see on the back roads. I stopped and spent about an hour with them uh, two weeks ago on my way back from uh, Macby and uh, uh, Hartsville. Wow. 
Yeah, when when you were talking about that area, my first thought was those MacB peaches. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> that's one of those. McLeod's Farm. That's McLeod's a neat place to Farm. go. Uh huh. Um, yeah, and then I'm having a little vision of for some reason I was going up through Ruby and Patrick. Right. Uh, right, because you take Highway 1 to kind of up through Camden. And, That's right. And go up through that way, and you see nothing but peach trees. Peach trees. Of course, Edgefield's got those, too, on yeah. Highway 23 mm-hmm. and um, all over the area, really. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And then up in Inman, um, up in Spartanburg County, I have a friend whose family turned their old uh, barn into a venue, just like you mentioned. That's and, right. Uh, so Repurposing, I think yep. they call it. Yeah, Re- repurposing is definitely what they're it, And I'll say something about. else you notice, too. We're talking about change. You'll notice that all your farmlands, even in the back roads now, have mm-hmm. steel post fence. Mm-hmm. In the old days, it was cedar post. Okay. And sometimes the knots would form, fall out of those cedar posts, and, uh-huh. and birds could nest in them. Oh. And, of course, you see the steel gates now everywhere you go. So... Change is creeping into yeah. the rural areas, mm-hmm. As, and I and I know some change is good, but mm-hmm. I really enjoy those old barns and those old fence posts. Oh yeah, yeah, great for great for photography, definitely, definitely. Um, what is it? And this is kind of a loaded question, but what is it about these rural vanishing settings that you think pulls you in and pulls other people in? Is it nostalgia? You know, that's a good question. I was giving a talk at Polly's Island in mm-hmm. the Movable Feast Literary Lun- uh, Luncheon, which mm-hmm. is a great event. And a lady from the north, she raised her hand. And she says, just why are you so hung up on the back roads? <laughs> and I thought to myself, and I said, I bet she's from a place where all she sees is concrete, cement, uh-huh. asphalt. Uh-huh. And I thought about it. I said, well, that's a good question. And I said, I've got a good answer for you. Because where I grew up in rural Georgia, that's all we had. We were back roads. There were no interstates. I said I could go to one end of the county to see my grandparents or the other end of the county to see the other grandparents. And I would see uh, tenant homes, barns, old farmhouses, hay rakes, rustic tractors, white-faced cattle. That's what my granddaddy called Herefords. Mm -hmm. And it was the land I grew up in, so it just feels natural to me. Sure. And it's soothing. Mm -hmm. It's it's really calming Mm -hmm. to get out in that sort of countryside yeah and just cruise around as slow as you like mm-hmm. if somebody gets on my bumper that's in a hurry i pull over because i'm looking and i'm going to take photographs yeah so i'm sort of on a mission right um one of the things that just popped into my head was have you ever been in a very rural location and you talk to someone and they're giving you directions and they give you the kind of directions that are turn at the sleeping dog, or, you know, or something that you only yes. only a local would know. Go down to the red barn and take a left. Uh-huh. When you get past the fish pond, take that next road to the right. Uh huh. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that, you know, that's how you find everything. That's right. Oh, that's funny. Um, so, since this is Library Voices SC, and we're all about libraries and and literature and all the great things that libraries do, do you have any kind of interesting library-related story? Yes, uh, I, I like going again to Edgefield because the Tompkins Memorial Library is a really unique environment, mm-hmm. and um, it's um, it's an old library. Mm-hmm. You go in there and you get that feeling that you're in an old place, you yep. know. And of course, I've given a lot of talks there. I gave one there Sunday to mm-hmm. the uh, Preservation Association, All right. so that was an interesting experience. I did come across an abandoned house that had a. Uh, 
study or den, floors collapsing, mm-hmm. an old clawfoot tub sitting over there in the bathroom. It had a library in it, and the books were still there and toppling out of the shelves. Really? Yeah. I want to go back. Wow. Check that out again. That was just what I call a, a self-made library. It wasn't mm-hmm. a, a real library. I've had great experiences since the book came out with libraries all over the state mm-hmm. and their interest in this kind of subject matter, which I appreciate. And that is one thing that you know we need to mention that you're available to talk to friends of the library group. You're right. you know can do all that kind of stuff. I'm on the South County Humanities uh, Speakers Bureau too. Okay, great, wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you mentioned about it's called the Last Sunday Drive. That's your Last your Sunday next Drive, book. Vanishing Southland. Okay. That's my title. Now, who uh-huh. knows what the publisher's going to do to it? <laughs> they might put one of these sentences on there a mile long. Right. You know? uh-huh. We want to make sure we you know, getting lots of sales. <laughs> well, it's more a description than it is a title, the way some people do things. Uh-huh. I guess that's the way it is in the search era, Google and all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got that coming up. But what other kind of projects or events do you have planned for maybe the coming months? Well, Robert Clark and I have a new book coming out this uh, fall from the USC Press on Carolina Bays. It's a six-year, huge, huge investment wow. of time we, we put into that. 30,000 miles across three states, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. It's one of those big books that people will say, oh, we love your coffee table book. And I'll say, well, it's not really a coffee table book. Right, yeah. It's a coffee table books are about kittens, horses, and Corvette stingrays. <laughs> exactly. This is a book about culture, history, natural areas, and things mm-hmm. like that, you know. And for folks who don't know, tell us a little bit about what Carolina Bays are. Well, Carolina Bay is, uh, first of all, a landform that no one in science has got any consensus on as to what really formed it. Mm-hmm. There's a theory that's fairly well accepted, the oriented wind and wave theory by Kazarowski, who did his work here at USC. Mm-hmm. They're elliptical shape depressions in the coastal plain from New Jersey to Florida that are oriented northwest to southeast. So they're all parallel, Mm -hmm. which gave rise to a theory that meteorites Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. came in. A bombardment created them. But what's really fascinating about them is they they hold water, seasonal rains, some on a temporary basis. Mm -hmm. So the waters come and go, and this allows salamanders, amphibians, frogs, Mm -hmm. to have breeding grounds free of fish that would prey on them. Mm -hmm. And so you have this wonderful collection of animals and plants that are just fabulous. They're beautiful places. Mm-hmm. Pond cypress swamps, grassy savannas, sand rims, um, Venus flytraps, for example, in Horry mm-hmm. County live in Carolina Bays okay. and some other areas beyond them. Mm-hmm. But um, pitcher plants, alligators, the range of life is astonishing there. And mm-hmm. most people don't even know they exist. Yeah. You see one from the road and you think, oh, that's a swamp. Mm-hmm. You fly over it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you're astounded to see all these elliptical depressions mm. that just line up in rows, very similar. Some overlap even. So we've we've had a lot of fun doing that book. That's amazing. And has I mean, has there been a lot of other? When was the last book maybe that came out about Carolina Bay? 1982. Henry Savage of Camden, South Carolina. Oh, okay. USC wow. Press published it too. All right. So it's kind of time for an update. This, this we think will be the most comprehensive book ever done on the base. Okay. And we make the point up front, Curtis, that yeah. we're not scientists. Yeah. We're not biologists. We're mm-hmm. not even uh, naturalists. We're mm-hmm. just a photographer and a writer team mm-hmm. that's covered these things for 30 years. We've been as many, we've probably been in as many bays as anybody I know. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
That's amazing. Yeah. I think everyone's going to look forward to that. And they're also looking forward to checking out your latest book that came out last year, and that's South Carolina Country Roads of Train Depots, Filling Stations, and Other Vanishing Charms, published by the History Press. So thank you so much for being with us today. Always great to be back. And thank you to our listeners. You can find Library Voices SC on Podbean, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, or add us on your favorite podcast app. Our podcast website address is libraryvoices.podbean.com. We love hearing from our listeners, so send us your comments and suggestions for future topics. Library Voices SC is the official podcast of the South Carolina State Library. So until next time, this is Curtis Rogers. Thanks for listening.